This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown. Today we've discussed international relations, the economy, representation in film, emergency preparedness. Let's head into the weekend on a much brighter note as we bring in Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access. Karen is the communications manager there, and we'll take a look at what's going on in the world of literature. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning. It's nice to have you back. Yeah, I feel like it's been a million years since last time we got to hang out. So I'm really happy that we get to wrap up our broadcast week chatting with you. Karen, let's start in the world of literary news. Rick Mercer, that's a name people know, won the Leacock Medal for Humor for a book you highlighted in the past called Talking to Canadians. So what do you make of this win? Well, it's not surprising. I mean, he's a national treasure, right? So the book is very interesting. It's a memoir. Uh, It's more personal than some of the books that he's written. We kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into his childhood. We get some behind-the-scenes takes on some of the interviews that he's done with um, different politicians like Jean Chrétien and some of his more famous clips. Uh, And it's just a really um, personal opportunity to, to read about him. We don't really know the man behind the the facade sometimes and so i think people are really intrigued by it i'm not surprised it won the leacock is this one available in multiple formats from sila it is we do have it in human narrated um, which is you know the most popular one that we have uh most popular format that we have so yeah it's ready and and waiting for people who want to dig into it I was playing in jest earlier this hour talking about how there's too many literary prizes. We need to get on board and pick two. You know, there's like the Oscars and there used to be the Golden Globes and that was it. But it seems like every time we're talking to you, Karen, there's another prize being handed out to authors doing incredible work. And earlier this week, the Writers Trust of Canada announced the shortlist for both nonfiction and fiction titles. So let's start on the nonfiction side, the Hillary Weston Prize for nonfiction. What are some of the highlighted titles here? So there's five on the list, and I'll just run through them quickly because we have a short show. So there's The Invisible Siege, The Rise of Coronaviruses, and A Search for a Cure. There's Nothing Will Be Different, which is a memoir by Tara McGowan-Ross, and she's um, a philosopher, uh, and she's a bit of a party girl, and then her life turns on a dime, and we get to see the sort of the -the behind-the-scenes impacts of that. There's Making Love with the Land by Joshua Whitehead. Folks might recognize his name, and he sort of explores Indigenous um, identity and queerness and relationships between body and land and language. Very uh, esoteric book. It's, it's, um, I think it's probably one of the winners. That's my guess. It will be the winner. Um, the Long Road Home on Blackness and Belonging by Deborah Thompson. She's a, a leading scholar on the politics of race, but this is a personal memoir for her. And then the last one on the list is The Petroleum Papers, Inside the Far-Right Conspiracy to Cover Up Climate Change. So a very diverse collection of books to read. Um, and Not a lot of, of people that are really well-known in this particular one, Joshua Whitehead aside maybe, but um, I kind of love that about nonfiction books and that you get to be exposed to people that you might not otherwise read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're taking bets on the Writer's Trust shortlist or the Writer's Trust winner at uh, ProLinePlus.com, <laughs> but Karen's prediction, Joshua Whitehead, <laughs> take that to Vegas and see what I you can get. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, move over to Mar- the Margaret Atwood Prize for Fiction. Who are the nominees who made the cut on this side? 
So there's five again, uh, and there's interestingly, there's two translated works on this list. I'm not sure we've seen that before. So the first one is Manon by Riam El Khoury, and um, this is a, one of the translated works, and uh, it's a, um, a story about a woman that visits her ancestral home in Turkey to, uncover, un, or to uncover her family's past. This is a debut novel. The next one is Some Hellish by Nicholas Herring, which is about a, a lobster fisher, uh, fisherman who's facing sort of a boring mundane life until he cuts a hole in his living room floor and life changes. Sometimes I want to be in the, the heads of the authors to find out where they get their inspiration. Anyway, so there's that one. Then there's Corel, uh, Corel of Roberville by Kevin Lambert. And this is a novel set in Quebec uh, about a young person in a northern lumber town who moves there and sort of sets off a, a chain of events. There's Ezra Ghosts by Darcy Tamois. I hope I said that right. Um, and it's a story about different characters dealing with fantastical circumstances. It's a short story collection. And the last one is Her First Palestine uh, by Saeed Tebi. And again, another short story collection revolving around the uh, experience of Palestinian, Palestinian immigrants to Canada. So again, not a lot of really well-known authors on this list, which I think is a really interesting approach. Um, and I, you know, it's kind of nice to see new authors being featured and taking some spotlight. So mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing to seeing how this one plays out. And that's what pushes against my whimsical thesis about saying, just pick one <laughs> list because we need to recognize a lot of emerging authors as well. And that's where these literary prizes are so, so helpful. Karen, when are we going yeah, to find exactly. out about the winners? We will find out about them November the 2nd. The Writers' Trust does a big gala and announces the uh, both the winners for the fiction and the nonfiction prizes. Very so you've got good. a little over a month to read. Get busy. <laughs> Get busy. Get cracking, turning those pages. <laughs> well, Karen, you make it hard because not only are you are you highlighting some of these nominees, every week you also offer us featured selections from the CELA Library, this time with the theme of International Daughters' Day, which is on uh, the fourth Sunday in September. And the first one you wanted to offer up your thoughts on was 111 Trees, How One Village Celebrates the Birth of Every Girl. Yeah, so this is actually a children's book, but I thought it was an important one to bring forward in part because it sort of embodies the reason we have International Daughters' Day. Um, and you may know the story. It's a story of a, a man, his name is Shyam Sunder Palali, and he's known sort of as the father of ecofeminism. And he, um, his daughter died of severe dehydration, uh, and in um, he was in India. And so he was just heartbroken, and he wanted to do something to honor her. So he started this program where basically he um, he contracted with parents and they would plant 111 tree saplings every time a girl is born um, you know there's a lot of gender politics issues there's a you know boys are the, are the favored gender in a lot of these sort of cultures and he really wanted to change that and so through the course of his work of planting 111 saplings every time a girl was born uh, he not only changed the way that his village viewed women but he also changed the environment around it and and mm. prevented future yeah prevented future droughts so it's a really it's a, this is a children's book it's a really lovely it's a gentle introduction to it but it's you know it does get into some of the the politics um, it's a great thing for if you want to be talking about, you know, the interweaving of politics.
politics and gender and environmentalism, all those sorts of things with a young person in your life. It's also just really a lovely story about a father's love for his daughter and what he does to honor her. Let's move on to This One Wildlife, a mother-daughter wilderness memoir by Angie Abdu. Right. So folks may know Angie. She was um, the author of the Canada Reads finalist, The Bone Cage. And so this is a personal memoir. She's written one about her son, and now this one's about um, her relationship with her daughter. So she's quite disillusioned about the over-competitive organized sports, and she's quite concerned about her daughter's growing shyness. She's hitting sort of her tween years. So she sets herself a challenge for the two of them. They decide that they're going to hike a peak a week over the summer holidays. They live in the mountains of BC. And so Abdu has somewhat idealistic expectations. It's going to be this really lovely moment to connect. And um, if you have kids, you know that sometimes your idealism doesn't always turn out to be the reality. So the book really um, digs into lots of different topics. It's not just about hikes with her daughter. They start, they talk a lot about social media. Abdu herself has um, sort of been a victim of the idea of cancel culture and it's really affected her mental health so they use their hikes to um, sort of mitigate some of those kind of negative factors happening in her life Um, we also get to see the impact of the role of hiking on her own mental health on her relationships with her her kids and her partner as well Um, she's well she's well researched this book so we get not only just sort of her opinions but she throws in a fair amount of of insights based on on research i think it's a really lovely book you don't have to be a mother you don't have to be a hiker you don't have to be a daughter to get a lot out of this book it's really about finding connection in nature the dangers of social media addiction and the goal to live kind of a more mindful environmentally conscious life so i i like this one That's a message that I think could resonate with a lot of folks. Karen, we've got another one here. It's a young adult novel, Throwaway Daughter by Ting Jingye. Yeah, so this is a historical fiction take on uh, what happens with the Chinese one-child policy on a family. So it's about international adoption. Uh, There's a young Canadian, the the main character is a young Canadian teenager. Uh, She's you know, happy to live her life as sort of a typical Canadian teenager. And then she has an assignment in school. She's asked to write a personal history, and she needs to figure out how to fit her own adoption story into fairly structured boxes around personal history. Um, And so that gets her thinking. And then there's um, a news story about the massacre on Tiananmen Square, and she realizes that she needs to know more about her own uh, her own history. So after high school, she travels to China to try and find her parents uh, and learn more about what happened. So the book's told primarily from her point of view, but we also get to see first-person accounts of her adoptive mother, the birth mother, uh, the birth mother's family, the birth father's family, and the woman who took in uh, Grace and worked to get her adopted. So we get to see... Um, sort of personal accounts of how this policy happened, how these decisions um, to, to give up a child are made and the, the reasons and the sort of the history behind those. So it's not preachy at all. It's actually quite informative. It's beautifully written. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, we really need the pers- first person account to understand it. It's one of those sorts of stories that if you're looking from the outside in, you're really not getting the full picture. So I really love this book and it's, you know, it's an explanation of what it means to be a daughter, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be um, loved, what it means to be chosen, what it means to be given up. So really a beautiful story. Karen, I have to hold you to about one minute on The President's Daughter by Bill Clinton and James (laughs) Patterson. So this one, if you um, know 
Bill Clinton and James Patterson, you could probably figure out exactly what this story is all about. Uh, Michael Keating is the president. He orders um, an attack on Libya on one of the world's most dangerous terrorists. The attack kind of goes sideways. At the end of the operation, the terrorist's wife and daughters are dead, but the, the terrorist has escaped. And so um, as a result, Keating's political prospects tank. He's not reelected. And then the terrorist com- comes back and um, for revenge, he kidnaps the president's daughter. It's, it's one of those books that's kind of bold and brash. You can totally see it as a made-for-TV kind of event plot moves quickly. The book is formatted like a typical Patterson novel with really short chapters. There's lots of little cliffhangers. Um, and I think if you want fast moving, it's definitely engrossing. It may not be completely believable from start to finish, but it's thoroughly enjoyable if you love political thrillers. Karen, in less than 13 minutes, you just highlighted 15 books. Well done <laughs> by you. I don't know if I have enough brain capacity to take all of those in. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Thanks so much. That's Karen McKay, the communications manager for the Center for Equitable Library Access. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.